0: Soaking up the moon.
1: to the Song Mess. My name is Richard Villegas. Uh, and well, here we are. I actually get to do an English episode for the Dominican series. I'm really excited about that for you all today. Um, and right now we're listening to a song called Gasoline. This is by The Weeknd. Yes, Abel is playing on Song Mess, y'all. Um, so we're going to play that out and we'll be right back with a very special guest. She over
0: when you me
1: sleep.
0: You spin me around so I can breathe. It's only safe for you and me I know you won't let me OD. And if I finally die in peace Just wrap my body in these sheets And pour out the gasoline It don't mean much to me It's 5am, I'm nihilist I know there's nothing out Over aftermath, apocalypse, and homelessness. The only thing I understand is your sum of tenderness. Tenderness. Oh, baby, please just hold me close, make me believe there's more to me.
1: All right, and we're back. And today, I don't actually know where she is, but I'm in Campeche, Mexico. Uh, And we're talking to Jennifer Mota, a journalist, designer, media, personality, so many things that we're going to get into. What's up? ¿Cómo estamos? How you doing? Hey,
2: hey, hey. Excited and thank you for having me here. I'm actually in Santo Domingo, República Dominicana right now.
1: Oh, shoot. Okay. I I, I was mentioning... I was mentioning that I'll be there in like in like a month, so if you're still around, we should get a coffee or. Oh a, yeah, I'll be here. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'll, sure. hit, I'll, hit you, I'll hit you up. Um, <laughs> and I'm really excited to to have you here because, um, you know, like you're kind of like the foremost, name in like documenting dembo and like covering dembo among many other things that you do that we'll be covering. But like, you know, that's kind of like one of the things that's sort of blasted you to another level on media. You're, again, as I mentioned, a journalist. You're also a podcaster uh, with the Dímelo Cantando podcast uh, featuring, you know, uh, co-hosted with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Reggaeton con la Gata, Katherine Eccleston. Um, And so, yeah, I'm excited to like delve into all that stuff. And like, you know, we couldn't do an episode. We couldn't do the series without talking about Dembo and Who Best Than the OG than you know, like than the actual like <laughs> like La Matatana that's out here documenting the situation. Um, so for the for the listeners at home that may not know you or may not be familiar with your work, who are you and what is it that you do?
2: Well, hi everyone. I'm Jennifer Mota. <laughs> um, I like to name myself or carry myself as just a multimedia creative,
3: okay?
2: Uh, because I do so much. I copyright. I'm a journalist. I'm a historian. Uh, I, I'm on camera host, um, I'm video producer, like I, I do so much, but it's all rooted in storytelling, Mm -hmm. um, and the arts. And I like to carry myself simply with, because I feel like we're in a space where people need labels. They just want to label you like, okay, so, but what do you do? (laughs) And I hate it. (laughs) Um, but I like to just exist creatively.
1: I know that's right. Shit. I mean, I just,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, like, like I,
1: I i i tell people i'm like what we do isn't necessarily as as like journalists as writers it's not necessarily art but it is creative it's a creative skill and like some days if you're not feeling it that shit is just not coming out you know
2: yeah, and storytelling <laughs> is an art like yeah. mm, when yeah. you're when you're for example with the story <clears throat> with Tefita, like When you're writing a cover story or when you're writing a profile, you're literally taking the reader into like a setting and you want them to feel and like be able to even like, I don't know, like just intensely somehow feel they're in there with the artist. And I think that's an art. I definitely think that's an art.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yes, you're, you're definitely right with that. Um, and, and well, I mean, again, we're going to deep, deep dive into some of your, your writing work. Um, let's I mean, let's 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 stop skirting around the issue. Dembo. I mean, you are, again, as I said, one of the foremost storytellers when it comes to Dembo uh, within our industry. Um, and so like so, you know, again, a lot of rockers listen to this. Um, so, like, <laughs> what is Dembo? Let, again, let's start simple.
2: So Dominican Dembo is a revival, pretty much, of what was Reggae Español, um, the Panamanian of Jamaican descent that mm-hmm. created the Spanish language reggae and dancehall, as well as re- reggae from Jamaica, right? Um, and though it's a revival, it's evolved to like its own et- entity. Um, what's cool about Dominican Dembo and what I think it's, it's different is that it's a fast-paced revival. So you, you rarely hear a Dembo that's, below 110 bpm and when you do it's pretty much like a it's more of like a cover or like you're using the same instrumental right Mm -hmm. and with dominican dembow it just really show like the black like the creativeness del barrio dominicano like dominicanidad barrial is Mm -hmm. all in dembow like a lot of these producers from the beginning until now they use whatever they have to their disposal their hands their voice um, you know they they play with with uh I don't want to say gimmicky but like peculiar sounds sure. and red- repetitive like verses and I think that's when people's at first when people uh heard them both that's one of the reasons why they didn't take it seriously because they would have like a, rep- a repetitive word like pepe 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 and again, it's just, it really showcases like the Black joy and creativeness that exists in El Barrio Dominicano. Um, and that's pretty much how I like St. Catharine Dominican Thembo.
1: No, that's good. I mean, and, and so you had a column for, uh, you know, a while, I'd say probably a year. Uh, called Si Tu quieres, Dembo, which yes. has actually, dear listeners, I've been doing quite a bit of writing about Dembo uh, over the past year. So that has kind of become a little Bible for me of just sort of like mm. helping me to contextualize things, which is why we do what we do, y'all. Um, and you mentioned the repetitiveness, that it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a big detractor from other, entre comillas, serious yeah. musicians, right? Yeah. And, and even yeah. just like musicians, music, but like rappers, like rappers used to be like... Yeah like no like it's just it's repetitive where are the flow where's the you know da da, da, da da and i'm so it's so interesting like I, i'd like to talk about that like it's just like about because has a lot of back has deal, dealt with a lot of backlash like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like so many other genres before it uh, i'd like to you know get into a little bit of that social dynamic of like why do you think people sort of like shun it or like push it back
2: classism racism mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. It exists in music the way it exists in society as a whole. Um, what people fail to understand is that dembow is ancestral music. It's call and response, literally. Um, and this is why, like, La <laughs> negro dominicano can make a certain type of dembow and somebody else can't. Um, a lot of people, you, you hear Jay Balvin in, in interviews and other people say, like, I would love to make a ball. I just don't understand it, or I don't know mm. how to hop on it because it's ancestral music. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when you think about the different type of love, the levels of, of discrimination that it went through, this is why the evolution and the impact that it has is so important because it literally, everything was set up against it, right? right. First, we're thinking about within its own community, which is quote-unquote urbano. I like to call, call it el movimiento. Oh, we're um, talking
1: about, we're talking about that today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we get getting spicy, spicy. Oh, over. yeah, girl. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, within el movimiento, it wasn't respected because, you know, you have street rappers who are rapping about what's going on in their environment, uh, what's going on with violence, that, and they want to get their message put out, right? Because mm. then they're just like, neto, carajito. like, who are these kids rapping about nothing? Yes. like they're they're ruining the you're, they're ruining it for me like they're ruining it for me right um so that was the one thing the discrimination within its own space they also had discrimination against uh i mean discrimination by the government which as we both know the government is known for banning music yes, like banning music um having you know different <laughs> propaganda against it so that um, and those were, I feel like those were the two main things. And then obviously I feel like there's, like in all spaces, there's this huge, uh, you know, stereotype and discrimination within generos, like los Roqueros and people in alternative no no looking at They look at that, oh, that's not real music. And I think that's a different conversation, you know, when you have instrumentalists uh, comparing their art to a producer and a, what a producer does on a yep. computer. You get what I'm saying? Uh, So there's different levels of discrimination and and how uh, the way it was able to even organically rise. is just so impactful. Like when you really consider all the conversations that were taking place.
1: Absolutely. And again, like dear listeners, I I wanted to be perfectly clear that this is not just a Dominican conversation. You know, like this is (laughs) happening every I was talking to Albina from KXP this week. And I like, love her. and they shared, KXP shared something about Bad Bunny looking back on like the, um, the Por Siempre record and like the comments were all these, these like butt hurt, like, you know, rockeritos. And like, I said, and it's just like, girl, like, y'all need to chill. Y'all need to breathe. It's not that serious. But, and I
2: hate it because I'm somebody that I enjoy all music. I mm-hmm. grew up listening to everything. Like, my dad learned English literally through the music of his time. So mm-hmm. I grew up on like, Classic rock, ACDC, Metallica, like everything, uh, yeah. neo, neo, uh, new wave, everything. So, like, that literally impacted the way I listened to music when I was growing up. So, to me, it was just like really frustrating navigating, uh, wanting to exist in rock spaces, but not looking like the people and uh, then feeling, you know, not being accepted in those spaces. Um, while also dealing with like my own people, and we're like, "Oh, you trying to be white?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so it's just like I really wish we could get to a place where we could kind of just like dissolve solve all that and just like be able to work together. I feel like when I was leaving Philadelphia, it was already turning into a creative space where like los roqueros were interacting and making festivals and doing concerts with the with the rappers. Like the rappers will hop on and perform with the rockers and i thought that that was so beautiful so i hope to see dr and latin america kind of like decolonize themselves in that way and just start collaborating more
1: take a chill bill man yeah Um, and (laughs) i think what you were just saying about this sort of diversity this this rich sonic diversity that you grew up with is a great transition point for our playlist because uh there are a lot of curveballs in here i i was like oh this is going to be like a of a play-by-play of like classic Dimbo songs. And again, yeah. like I'm really thrilled to see that, That I mean, we are gonna listen to some Dimbo dear listeners, but
3: yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit
1: more on this on the plate. So we started off the show with The Weeknd. Uh, the song is called Gasoline. I may have to shorten it for you all. I usually play the whole track, uh, but The Weekend is one of the biggest artists in the world right now. So I'm not having, trying to have this shit flagged um, <laughs> or like I might play a remix or something. Uh, yeah. But tell us, tell us about the song, is this off the new
2: record? Yes, it is. Okay. I am upset. I had this album literally on repeat every single day. Like I work out to this, I clean to this, I cook to this. Um, You know, ever since The Weeknd came out, he's one of those artists that I literally grew up and evolved with too. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw him perform in the CLA in Philly and like a little ass crowd and then again in like a big stadium, which was, it was really like emotional, but what I really enjoyed about The weekend was his way, and the, the producers that he worked with, is the way that he incorporates New Wave, which, which I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a lot of New Wave, a lot of Neopunk. I love Blondie. Um, so him, for example, like, uh, Secrets, his track, Secrets, he he sampled Tears for Fears, and I want to say... What? <laughs> yes, he, he samples Tears for Fears, and I think it's called Pale Shelter." Pale Shelter. And he also um, sampled, I want to say, was it The Romantics? Oh, me choque. I can't remember. But, yeah, te creo. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I remember hearing it and he also did an interpolation from one of their songs. And I was just like, holy shit, this is an old song and I know it and I just need to figure it out. And when I looked into it, I was like, yo, like, I love the way that he just samples music from that time and even when he did House of Balloons that was Sushi and the Banshees like I just enjoy the way he kind of modernizes it with his R&B like his dark R&B wave of like covering music and creating and writing and I think Gasoline is that's like one of my favorite songs at the moment and it really I don't know it just symbolizes kind of like where I have been at a lot of my life (laughs) throughout my life like just existing in multiple spaces musically yeah. yeah
1: well we're gonna transition to where you currently are which is the bow um and we're gonna listen to pablo pidi uh this song is called quisqueyano dembow uh you know Sacan el perreo. Uh, what what tell us about the song tell us about this artist
2: i love pablo pidi pablo pidi actually started out as a rapper um in my seat together dembow column i actually wrote about uh the fact that you know, a lot of rappers discriminated against it, this music, mm-hmm. but ended up pivoting, and I think that really helped with the uh, obviously with the evolution of them ball, because it started to add more verses, bars, and lyricism to the music. Now it's not just music they hangeo y de coro uh, mm-hmm. for people outside of VR. It's like <laughs> you know lit groups and like festive um gatherings. Uh So it really turned it really it really implemented like more structure into the music and Pablo PD went from just being street rapper to being rapero de Dembo as well. Okay. And with songs like no and si tu like he literally got on the tracks and spit. He was like, I'm here to spit. Like more. oh this is the music y'all listening to all right I'ma spit on the music that y'all <laughs> listening to. Like so That's And obviously they're... it's like Dominican pride so I had to choose that
1: <laughs> big fact all
2: right well let's go ahead and listen
1: to that yet now y'all uh, again this is Pablo Pidi the song is kiquenombo and we'll be right back with more uh Jennifer Mota <laughs>
4: Que nadie lo hace mi espalda, talpa, tan de bote y muero. Y ni modo besado, filo. Tan de bote y muero. Y ni modo besado, filo. Papa, tan bote y muero. Ni modo besado, filo. pa, de bote, pa, de bote, pa, de bote y palpa, tan de bote y muero. Ni modo besado, filo. Y de vez en cuando pide pata en el tópico callejero, Ellos saben que yo soy el arreglista. Que no hay un dron que yo no acople. Que no hay un sample que resista. Abran el telón, llego el artista. Sientan el calor de mi presencia en luz freestyle aunque no asista. Yo preparo el químico, aprendan con la vista. Los resultados críticos, publíquelo en revista. El rap dominicano tiene prisa. Yo soy el arquitecto veterano, juego a la ruleta asfixia. Catucho, tinta y pisa, mano, tacho y risa. Catucho, tinta y pisa, mano, tacho y risa. Catucho, tinta y pisa, mano, tacho y risa. El arquitecto veterano, juego a la ruleta asfixia. Porque fue que me di cuenta, que ni un montesaro. Porque fue que me di cuenta, porque fue que me di cuenta, porque fue <tabas multiply> que me di cuenta pa que bote el cuero vinemos a pesarlo vino pa que bote el cuero vinemos a pesarlo vino pa que bote el cuero vinemos a pesarlo mira pa que bote pa que bote pa que bote pa que bote el cuero vinemos pablo, pesarlo pide pa que el chote callejero pa que ya no me put pa que que ya no me put pa que bote que ya no me put pa que bote el cuero Mi estilo lo bauticé un libre estilo porque fue que me di cuenta que nadie lo hace a mi estilo. Mandé a pesar tus letras con el hijo de papilo y la tuya pesaba el gramo y la mía, Kilo con tu italán. La tuya pesaba el gramo con tu italán y la mía, King con tu italán. La tuya pesaba el gramo con tu y con tu y con la mía, aquí sin corte Manilo. La verdad es que a mi estilo mi escuela tiene resorte con la baja el doble filo. Yo se aprende de usted que decir, no con la lente que hace la nalga me depilo, con la letra que usted hace y la nalga me depilo, con la letra que usted hace, con la letra que usted hace, con la hace la nalga me depilo. Nalga me depilo. Nalga me pa' que bote el cuero, mi amor pensaron que, pa' que bote el cuero, mi amor pensaron bote, 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 bote el cuero, pide pa' trajerle el choque callejero. Con con tointal, porque fue que me El el que que el que que nadie el cuero. el cuero el 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 Tráeme. Y soy sincero, cada vez que hey, hey, este micrófono lo bajaste ya, nueve, hey. mm, mm, Ese micrófono, mm, mm. más agresivo
5: La caverna. bubloy ven, 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 si tú quieres cojerme Dale, ven, 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 si tú quieres ven, ven, si tú quieres cojerme Ven, 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 ven Yeah. Dale, ven, man, que yo quiero que tú me rompas Dame con la vaina que me pone rabiosa. Yo no estoy borracha, pero estoy peligrosa. Esta noche me la paso dando pila de bolsa. Sabes qué me pasa cuando papi tú me rosa? Me pongo como el molondrón, un poco babosa. Rosa, rosa, eso me pone loca. Yo sé que a ti te duda, no me venga con cotó Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca. Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca. Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca. Te duda, no me venga con cotón. Dale, Ben, si tú quieres que que me pones demente Dale, ven, 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 si tú quieres cógeme Yo sé que yo te gusto, que tú quieres comerme Dale, ven, 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 si tú quieres cógeme el yo delincuente que me pones demente Dale, ven, 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 si tú quieres cógeme Yo sé que yo te gusto, que Rotten tú quieres comerme boy. Te quiero decir que Oye, papi, tú a mí me gustas un tro, tro, un tro Me agas tuya, tuya con travesuras sura de mí, eso duda Yo no me pongo rabiosa, papi, si de mí tú duda Yo estoy bien dura, dura, aquí abusa que yo quiero que esta noche me hagas tuya Tuya con travesuras, sura de mí, eso hay dudas Yo no me pongo rabiosa, papi, si de mí tú dudas Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca Rosa, rosa, que eso me pone loca Te gusta, no me venga con coto Elé, ven, elé, ven. Dale, ven Me pones de Ven, ven, si tú quieres. Cómeme. Yo sé que yo te gusto, que tú quieres comerme. La más to do that, la más to do that. La caberta, Dublóy, ja. la recopilación. Esto va pa' mi gente de barrio. Esto fue mi gente que me lo pidió. Es tu underground. John D tritich, chombo panabla. Oye, fit Pautalo Mi gente de San Carlos. Christian Music, Min Record. La comp- all right and we're
1: back and so the second song that we just heard there is by milka la más dura it's called dale Ben Ben. um you know to, uh, I, I, I kind of stand Milka low-key, um, you know, like, I, I I mean, no shade to Toki or anything, but like everybody's mm-hmm. like, Toki, la primera mujer. And I'm like, mm-hmm. donde? Where? Um, so now we're t-
2: listening to them both back in the day. <laughs> tell us
1: tell us about Milka La, la Madura.
2: Um, I love Milka. Milka's also somebody that started off in street rap. Like when you listen to, I think the first, yeah, the first Tape um, al she was the only woman uh from all the lyrics that that came out in it and with songs like <laughs> yeah. um, she was just very like sexually aggressive and i fucked mm-hmm. with that like yeah. i really fucked with that i liked listening to it um i love the fact that there was a woman in that in the space at the time like mind you i was in philly not in DR. <laughs> right. I was getting this music from my cousins, from being in the park. You know that in every major city where there's Dominicans, there's always this park where a lot of Dominicans congregate <laughs> and okay. music, or with their kitty and like their big speakers. Shout out to Isabella because she wrote a really dope piece on the New York Times on this, um, and that's kind of like the culture uh, that exists in those cities, right? Um, so just listening and and hearing at least that one woman representation Mm. felt really great. Um, and even now I still feel like I, I just, I yearn for like more women in these spaces, you know, like, um, people always constantly mention like being the first, you know, and, and something that I kind of had to like face, uh, as a writer was like the fact that I am a a, a perfectionist and like, I didn't. View myself that way, but it's really hard um, when you're writing about something that hasn't been written before in a space where people didn't document things as much. Mm-hmm. So writing a lot of these articles have been like uh, a learning experience for me. It's been exciting because I love deep dives. I love getting to the bottom of things. Yeah. But one of the things I had to face the face was the fact that like I might not get everything right because right. I'm the first. You know that I'm get things wrong and what i like to do is kind of like fix those little things by each article like oh you know i'll add like maybe the infor- the correct information um and just being understanding that while also existing in a space that's hyper masculine with a lot of male ego has been extremely hard like yeah. a man will come up to me like yeah you didn't mention this that and the third and i was like thank you now i know now i know for my next work. thank you for educating me like bro I I am doing God's work <laughs>
1: Also like people think that you know we can write a book every fucking time that it's a story and it's yeah. like child like I mean like I, I that's something that I have I've, I've had to sort of like ingrain into my head like I can't mention everything like it yeah. just sometimes is just too yeah. much like I, I had this this story that just came out about like India and Bolivia and all that stuff and like it's just like I've had to I had to like reduce entire decades into one paragraph and being like yeah. this feels so crazy <laughs> so yeah I, I know what that is um you mentioned so many things that I would like to like um mm. so I, let's create a, a bit of a timeline So, like
2: where are you from so i am from washington heights i was born in washington heights that's where my lineage is washington heights manhattan also known as little also known as little dominican republic i was raised in one of the most underrated musically driven cities philadelphia um and i'm currently just i'm currently now living in uh dominican republic i spent some time in jersey city in new york I've been just bouncing around a lot uh, throughout my career, but I was raised in Philadelphia.
1: That's good because it creates a lot of context, which again, goes into your work. So like at one point, at what point do you start writing about music?
2: Okay, cool. So I've always really enjoyed music. Again, like I was one of those like 10 year old, 10, 11 year olds that would literally watch VH1. Mm -hmm. You know how they used to do the decades? Like Oh, the top hits of the '80s and '70s. Yep. Like I would watch all day, like every year. Like, Same. what were the top songs and the videos? And and I, I was just so obsessed with the fashion, with the music, and that's kind of like where my love for fashion also started. With seeing women like Madonna, seeing women like Janet Jackson, and mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. Salt and Pepper. A lot of the music of the '90s as well. Um, when I was younger, I really wanted to do acting. And my parents were very supportive. My parents were really into, like, making sure that they created some type of, uh, I don't know, just creating time for us to exist artistically, you know? Like, whether it was, you know, acting or dancing or if we wanted to do something in music or, like, even in sports. I I grew up doing uh, basketball and, like, baseball softball. Yeah. Um, So... The thing that really kind of poked everything and like triggered everything was just he, my father used to actually sit around and like he would sit with me and look for casting calls. Like he was like, Oh, you mm-hmm. wanna do this? You gotta work for it with me, you know? And there was this one casting call uh, that was for like a back to school commercial. I was like nine or 10, and it was the same age group. And they were asking specifically for a, a white girl, like a Caucasian girl. They wanted a Caucasian girl from nine to 10 years old. And okay. I remember looking at it. Uh, and I was just, like, so confused that I was like, what? Like, I looked at my dad and I was like, why do they only want that type of girl? And I was like, um, at the time, I was just like, you know, black and Hispanic girls go to school, too. Like, why do they only want this form of, like, representation? I remember so being so young and thinking about this. And my dad is also a journalist. He's, like, super revolutionary. Ooh. And, yeah, so he he just had this long conversation that I never forgot. And obviously started, it triggered everything. And he was just like, listen, like words have power. That was the first thing he said, you know, words have power, words are weapons and Mm -hmm. like, you can't let them dictate you, but you can use them to educate others. You can use them to feel, to, to celebrate. Right. And then he was like, he said something else that really, motivated me that it just always stuck in my head and he said music and media is programming okay media is programming when you step into a space and all you see is like for example like for a lot of us latinos we grew up watching telenovelas that only had one form of representation and some, most times we never would see black people. We never see black people. Let me take that back. We never see black people in telenovelas. <laughs> and it's very rare, you know? We yeah. never see black people in, in telenovela, And the color that we did see were always the silientas, like yeah. the indigenous women, you know? Um, and he also made it a point to also call out that music is also programming, that like you can teach through music, music of protest and all that stuff. And it just really started like a lot in me like it made me really reflect at super young like how much power uh media music and everything around us have over us and I feel like I could have really felt depressed (laughs) after that after seeing something like that and I was just like no fuck I'm gonna figure this shit out (laughs)
3: that's right
2: like y'all don't want me on tv I'm gonna figure this out you know and I grew up like I I grew up with Latino, like older Latinos yeah. telling me like, oh, you can't be on TV if you have your hair curly all the time. You have to have it straight. Or like, oh, you have to lose your Dominican accent because you're not gonna like they're not gonna wanna hear somebody mm-hmm. like you, you know? Like there was a lot of things that people told me that could have like really uh cut my wings and like yeah. I just didn't let that happen. So I started to really write about music as I started getting into the scene in Philly because okay. Um, I was in, I was in college already, you know, I was mingling and like getting to know more of the city. And I started to intern for this band called ARF, Astro- Astronauts Really Fly. And okay. they were actually an alternative hip hop band. So there was a DJ, there was uh, a drummer, there was, uh, you know, singers, rappers, it was like this huge collective of different okay. musicians and lyricists. And they were just creating music, bro. And, like, they were doing the thing. I mean, they're not together anymore. Everyone's separate, doing cool things in music right now. But at the time, there was nothing like it in Philly. And I learned so much with being in them and then being with them and, like, um, working with them. And then just understanding more of, like, Philly music. I I have always appreciated Philly for its R&B, for the hip-hop, for everything that came out of the city. But actually experiencing that, I, I got to see a creative space that was really, like, desegregating in a sense. Like, all types of people were mingling, all types of people were going to these concerts, because the collective itself were all different. Like, you would see them and it's just like, this is an interesting pair. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's an interesting group. So, in college not to make not to speak too much on it <laughs> cut it short while i was in college you know they always push for you to create your own websites as journalists or stuff like that and i was just like you know what like i'm gonna write about music i'm gonna write about my clothing line and i'm gonna write about like politics and shit cause i'm mad yeah <laughs> i'm mad about Trump i'm mad about everything that's going on so that's how i'm gonna do it And that's actually how i got discovered by people in espanol like they Somehow somebody found me on Instagram. They they um, well, we actually found each other. Yeah, and they were paying attention to everything I was writing and mm. like um, posting and and stuff about music, about fashion designers, about my clothing line. And they just thought it was super cool. At the time, people in Espanol really wanted like a fresh take, um, somebody that could understand writing about race, uh, sure. because it was something that was pretty new to them as well. Um, and music and that's how I started with music.
1: Oh, I mean, and that's I mean, all of those things again. I think so. Yeah. So, dear listeners, I think that I mean, because like you know, I'm not I'm not gonna have uh, Jenny here for six hours, even though this is <laughs> this this is the kind of inf- a conversation that really merits a six hour interview.
3: <laughs> no, no.
1: But I think that really does a really great yeah. job of informing sort of like your j- universe, like right of like of you know like why covering political ma- matters, uh, uh, race, gender is so important within you know, these stories, um, I would love to know about, like, so what gets you into them both? Like, when do you start writing about them both? Um, You know, like, and what what, what did, because, like, I love talking to other journalists on the show. Yeah. You know, because it's just like, it's like I be saying shit to these listeners and nobody understands this shit the way that, like, you know, (laughs) like the way that we do. Um, Yeah. What was the media landscape when you, you know, when you got into this situation? Uh, and started yeah. covering them both
2: so i'm a music nerd first and oh. foremost i love unpacking and i love educating people on it. i get so excited talking about music about anything like i just get anything that relating to music i get super excited about and i'm like a huge nerd on it so like i just felt me and music at, at some point we were just gonna intersect and i was gonna work in it somehow um when i stepped into people in espanol um and the director at the time was shirley vasquez she was very open with any pitches that i had and literally the one of my first pitches was so it was me mommy by alaska featuring cardi b and i thought it was so interesting just everyone's reaction everyone had like a different opinion a lot of people in dr literally trashed it like they were like what the fuck are you doing alpha (laughs) what is this this isn't them both like what is going on here and I was talking about it with my director. No, my actually, actually, I was talking about it with my supervisor. And my supervisor, she's she at the time was Peruvian, but she had a lot of Dominican friends, and she knew what Dumbo was. Uh, when she brought it up to the director, the first thing she said was like, "What's Dominican dembow?" <laughs> no.
0: And I was just
2: like, <laughs> "You don't know what Dominican dembow is," and it kind of it reminded me that I came from a hyper Caribbean space in mm-hmm. Philly and at the time i was in in new york in a space in a career space um, specifically in people in español where there was like people from different countries that i've never even really interacted with i never had peruvian uh, people around me actually and it was also a learning experience i via I gente de perú and it was a big reminder of like wow like there's a lot of countries in Latin America and people like to like just group us in their under one thing, under one aesthetic, and like yep. <laughs> it's wild, right? So I was just like, no, when she said that, she was like, we need to write a piece explaining what it is. And I was like, yeah, we do. Like, what? People don't know what it <laughs> is. <laughs> um, and this was like the the track dropped either October, or November, because I started in around that time of 2018. Okay. And, oh, recent. Yeah, it was 2018. I only I've only been in this space for like about three years. Wow, crazy.
1: Yeah. I I really thought you'd be, you were in there way longer. Oh
2: shit. Yeah. Amazing. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> thank you. You've done I'm a lot really, in a
1: very short amount of time, girl.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I had to tell myself the other day. Sometimes that like imposter syndrome kicks in, and I was like, Girl,
3: oh. we're not
2: doing this today. I don't know no, her. I don't know her. <laughs> Who's she? <laughs> but this was literally around november and it dropped january of 2019 because it literally took months for me to write every time because they would always ask for it and i was like every time i was about to submit i'd be like no 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 no, it's just not i could feel it in my heart like my ancestors was telling me like girl there is more info you need to hold it like every, and every time yep. i would find new things like it was something that i literally it literally took three months for me three months and a half for me to write, and I watched about like 40 hours, 35 to 40 hours, alofoca interviews, old videos. Um, I was literally like playing detective. I was looking at old documents, old videos, and like putting the timeline together yeah. um, and trying to understand how everything worked, while also considering everything that was going on musically outside of DR. Like the para- there was other transnational movements going on. Mm. There was underground in Puerto Rico, which later turned into reggaeton. There was Reggae en Español, which literally started it all. There's Reggae in Jamaica. Like there was just so many things that were part of, uh, the, what that was part of the contribution to, to the influences and everything that was going on that I also had to explain because there was multiple things happening. Um, and I think Context that is everything. Yes, that article, my first deep dive on people in español, is called "Recognizing Them Both from in, From Jamaica to El Alfa." Okay. It was about four thousand five hundred words. No. It's about
1: 4,500. Did they run word. it or did they yeah. cut it?
2: Oh wow! No, no, it's about he, my, and shout out to my editor, Michael Quinones. He was he he did an amazing job. Like he was super excited about this. He was so excited cool. about this, and like he really motivated and stuck up for me in terms of like taking my time and making sure that like I had the right context you know mm-hmm. um it was a really long ride but like I'm super proud of it yeah <laughs> yeah no
1: amazing I'm um we we are about to take and make a musical transition because, you know, this, this part is going a little long. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about the history of dembow and all that in the next section. But I would love it if you could tell our, our listeners where they can find your writing, because you write for a lot of the girls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the first deep dive is on people in Espanol. Like I mentioned, it's called uh, Recognizing Dominican Dembow from Jamaica to El Alfa. is a deep dive, and it talks about the intersections of race, classism. Uh, gender in the movement and in the genre and the evolution and how everything uh, organically rolls. Uh-huh. Um, after that, I have a few pieces as a columnist in remescla under <laughs> Si Tu Quieres them both. Yeah. Um, Another Each, each uh, article has a specific topic. There's one on sexual agency and the women and and the globalization of them both, as well as just the discrimination that was going within um, uh the movement mm-hmm. and one of my favorites which is the rise of queer Dumbo, and i highlight la Delphi there um i have one also on title which talks about the rise of Dumbo as well okay uh, if you go to my website on jennymota.com, you can see a lot of my stuff there too like outside of Dembo.
1: Uh and i dear listeners you know you know i i take care good care of y'all i'll be making sure to link a, a few of these yeah. stories below as well as jenny's uh, website. Uh, now we're going to ne- break our necks real quick with this transition because up next we're going to listen to The Smiths <laughs> um, and we're going to listen to this charming man. Uh, again, talk about <clears throat> I thought The weekend was a, like a, a wild inclusion in this playlist. <laughs> the Smiths, girl? T- t- please. I, I mean, I love the song. Uh, and I'm sure yeah. most people listening to this do, do too. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I love English rock bands. That was another thing I grew up on as well. Like Papi, God bless him, and my mom. Thankfully, because of my... I, I, I'm i very thankful for the household I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mommy kept that, like, influence of Típico and Bachata, specifically Bachata. A lot of, also, like, Ana Gabriel and Rocío Ducal in the mornings, as <laughs> many moms do when they're cleaning. Yeah. Um, but the Smiths, they're, like, a really dope band. I really love their tracks. This Charming Man is one of my favorites. Um, And... I don't know. I think right now we're in a time in music where a lot of music is thrown at us at a rapid Mm -hmm. pace. And I've been feeling very nostalgic lately. Like I like revisiting older music and music that, I don't know, like really brought happiness or like a vibe to me when I was younger. Amazing. Well, let's go ahead
1: and listen to that now. Again, this is the Smiths. This is This Charming Man, a classic uh, (laughs) of of all time, honestly. So so we're going to listen to that. We'll be right back with more of Jennifer Molta. back and then the second song that we heard there's by Anthony Santos okay now we're in my ship um, eh, te vas,
2: amor. <laughs>
1: yes the song is called Te Vas Amor and so Anthony Santos is the first uh, artist that I ever remember hearing in my life like as a child like the first song that really stuck in my head because uh, I grew up in DR I don't know if you know that but like I grew no, up in DR
3: oh yeah I live there. From... where were you from
1: uh, I'm so like I'm not, not okay so that I'm not Dominican Dominican because I wasn't born there I my parents are not Dominican like my dad is Colombian my mom is New Yorkian but I grew up in Santiago oh. I, I lived there for 14 years yeah
2: that's so cool
1: yeah so like it's I, I'm in a weird gray area where I like I,
2: That's so dope, though. Like, like I
1: can't claim it, claim it, but I also, you know, I'm not because I'm not like, oh, he's good, cool, you know. But like,
2: <laughs> but, you
1: know, I have too much context to not like talk
2: yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it.
1: But yeah, but wait like, yeah, like I, I, distinctly remember like our neighbors were from Juncalito, and they used to play that nonstop over, and that was like the song of the day. Um, I don't know, te vas amor, but please tell us about this song.
2: Ah, te vas amor. It's one of. The classics is one of uh, his old ones. I believe it was, wait, what year was it? It was early 90s? Yeah, probably 90s, honestly. Yeah, early 90s, I, I believe. But, you know, I'm, I'm a huge bachatera. You mm-hmm. know, I'm very proud to be a bachatera. I didn't know, I didn't understand. And I think maybe because um, the context where I come from is that a lot of, obviously, Dominicans that migrated to the U.S., you know, they're either working class, they're poor, you know, or they're poor, they're coming from the campos, you know. Um, a lot of people also migrated to run from like political sure. powers and stuff like that. So the way the is outside in the U.S. and in other places, it's like it's very in your face. <laughs> it's like, yes, we're Dominican. <laughs> um, so i realized, right, like, I think that it has a lot to do with, like, pride and just understanding, like, the things people were kind of fleeing from.
4: Mm-hmm. People
2: wanted opportunity. People wanted, you know, to make sure that they... You talk to a lot of Dominicans, and a lot of them will tell you, like, yeah, I want to make my money, and then I want to move back. Like, they're always yep. thinking about coming back home. I want to mm-hmm. retire and build a home in my, in my country. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's not, like they migrate and they're just like, they shit on the art, you know, like it's very, it's a very interesting, um, identity. And then growing up as a Dominican American, again, like my parents came from the campo. Um, yeah. mommy's from a campo in La Vega, papi's from a campo in uh, Sanchez Ramirez, not too far from Cotui. Okay, and, okay. you know, I grew up on a lot of bachata, man. <laughs> I grew up on a lot of bachata and to me it was normal. Um, as it should be, because it's yeah, our music. So mm-hmm. For Dominicans to listen to it, to dance it, to go to the club and listen to it and dance it. And then I think when I was a little bit older, when I can uh, kind of analyze society a little bit better, I think I was like 14, 15 is when I realized, holy shit, people really talk a lot of shit about my job in, in DR. Yeah. And like, you'll go to like Santo Domingo and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to listen to that. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> You get what I'm yeah. saying? So like, that was very interesting for me to learn and to sure. experience, you know, and like at that age, it was just like, I didn't fully understand a lot of the context, but I was already analyzing it and being back here. I just feel like even now I'm even more prouder of like the music and like, when you know the history and like, again, it, it reminds me of them both. Like it's music that is, it's a black man music yes. <laughs> um, created by black people. Uh, It's also very ancestral, too. And I think that a lot of these movements, as much as the government or society tried to limit it, the people will always popularize it. And that's what I think that's what's the most beautiful about the Dominican Republic and, like, everything that it's gone through in a music sense, that, like, you can put the limitations you want. El barrio lo va tocar como quiera. Hello. El barrio lo va bailar como quiera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember when Gloria La Popola was was banned. Everybody had that shit in their speakers, okay? Yep. <laughs> ain't nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> I
1: I'm, I'm so glad that you brought it back to 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 the bow because like again like I, I again I still want to like cover mm-hmm. I mean I feel like we yeah. you know, we need we there's so much to unspool. And again, yeah. dear listeners, we're having this conversation and I'm going to be linking to a lot of Jenny's uh, Jenny's uh, work in the comments. So please do you know do the additional reading and I might be bringing you some other follow-ups about the subject I'd like a little historical context I I don't never I never really like being like who was the first you know but like because that's always a tricky gray area because like multiple people had the same thought around the same time um but like when did Dimbo start you know taking off like that's more of an an interesting question I think
2: so it's I've been having a hard time with this with with speaking this appropriately as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that the good thing is multiple things can exist at once, multiple realities. And it goes back to like the Dominican male ego. Everybody wants their credits. Everybody wanna be known as the first. And I say that opening, I say it all the time because I've had big name producers tell me like, oh, you should have mentioned this, this and the third, or like, oh, why wasn't I mentioned here? And I'm just like, bro, (laughs) you were mentioned this other time. I can't be mentioning everyone. But Hello. when we speak about the first, um, what I will say is there's there's two things that I that I'll say publicly here that I've never written before. Hmm, look at you, Richard. Oh. <laughs> so there's some there's a reality that that people haven't broken down and it's something that I'm researching now, and is the fact that there was a lot of Caribbeans from English, the English speaking Caribbeans that migrated to the Dominican yeah. Republic. And that is a huge community that brought in a lot of their influences in music. So that influence was already existing here in the late 80s. Like yeah. people were listening to a lot of Jamaican music. People were listening to music that were coming out of different countries because their people were here. Like there yeah. were people that were already listening to this. So it was already natural, like migration, immigration, everything has a lot to do with how these influences came to be and how the parallels came to be, you know, mm. Um So eso fue en San Pedro de de Macorí. A lot of people, you know, they're known as the Cocolos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, En San Pedro de Macorí. When you, I spoke once with Vaquero and he mentioned uh, this one group. Um, He actually did a cover and I remember reading it and I wasn't sure to put it in the original deep dive because everyone I spoke to, like some people didn't even know what I was talking about. And I was afraid to like put it in there without having the proper you know like uh assurance that this that this was that this what it was that this was actually um oh i actually have it here el grupo unido okay so that was a group that kind of came out from that space and they did a lot of like uh music the influencias caribeña and also like there was a lot of playero music coming out at the same time and they they were also rising at the same time as playero but what i will say is and somebody that i do mention too is dj boyo and i think the reason why dj boyo um is mentioned within the community so much is because not only was he one of the first and i i like to say one of the first because we're still unpacking this movement we're still researching yeah um and i like to create space to for people to understand that too DJ Boyo created structure in a way, along with DJ Topo, that created visibility for other artists. Like they had, they actually ended up having a show on TV local channel where they would have like local acts come in in the later '90s, early 2000s. When he first made his track um, "La Mujer Andadora,"s it was like 1992, 1993, and it was uh, literally it was a cover to Curry Rangs who sent me then. I don't know if I. Uh, it the right way sure. but it was you know it was a cover to that and he was the first one to actually speed it up
6: okay okay in
2: his mind he was like <laughs> all right this is i love this music because he was he his influences were was jamaican music and panamanian music el quería el lo que estaban like um everybody that was coming out el chombo he mentioned them and then he was also heavily inspired by everything that was coming out of Jamaica. And to him, he was getting these influences at the same time. Because Lo Panameño, as soon as a song come out, you lo hacía en español. So he would listen to it in English yeah. and then also in Spanish. Right. So when he was uh, doing the cover to this track, he was like, I want to make it faster. So he sped up the tape on purpose, like manually to a 115 BPM.
1: Not manually.
2: When hear, yeah. <laughs> when you hear, when you hear Mujeres Andadoras, like uh-huh. it's very like messy. It's a lot. Sure. Like, um, and at the time people were listening to Merengue Salsa and he wanted something that was still festive to match the energy of our people. You know, people here look at music as like a release, a relief. Um, as music of celebration. So he wanted something that people can dance to. And he had a really hard time. Like, he had people throw his tapes in his face, um, call his music yeah. garbage. He was called off stage. He would pay to perform, and people would scream at him to get off. So he had a really harsh time in the beginning. Okay. Um, I think in later in later years, him and DJ Toppo created a lot of structure and visibility. Like, a lot of people were able to, like, you know find ways to be seen through through the things that they started um this is so roughly I, around what time 1992 19 well his track was 1992 1993 okay, okay. there's not like a specific year because even he told me he was like Fue por
3: ahí. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he didn't even have a proper year but he was already making music similar to that way before that there's yeah. this idea that There's this huge idea that people think that Dominican Dumbo is an offshoot of Playero. And that's not true because there were people creating music in the Spanish language over these influences way before that. Like people forget that Playero literally was doing, literally taking the reggae uh, riffs and like rhythms off of what the Jamaicans were doing. And he was inspired by what the Panamanian Jamaicans were doing in New York. Like people were already doing it before Playero, you know? Sure. um playero was influenced by them and there was like this huge idea and I, I would always hear people say like oh no this came from playero and it's just like hmm. maybe the revival in the 2000s was where things started getting a little bit cleaner um it kind of looks like it was something that was straight out just playero and the noise but when you talk to a lot of these producers the producers tell you like oh yeah i was listening to the bam bam rhythm like they were listening to the different rhythms coming out of jamaica right
1: damn um so that's like <clears throat> kind of like foundational work um in in terms of re- what's been happening happening recently uh so you recently started a podcast with reggaeton con la gata uh, yeah called- so it's
2: actually her podcast oh, okay, okay. she owns it yeah it's, okay, it's okay. a collaboration uh between reggaeton con la gata and noise colectivo and i came in as a co-host okay i'm very excited about it and it's it's been really dope
1: yeah. T- tell us about Dímelo Cantando and thank you for the correction. Ooh. Oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to make that clear. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. Um, no, yeah, it's a really what I really like the most about this collaboration and the way we've been navigating is that we're really just saying whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> I think that navigating this space the way I do, it's even more like the way Gata does. She's the only Black woman in this space talking about these topics um it's been really hard it's not easy um we're we're existing in a space where there's different generational uh views there's different um geographical views on things Uh, a lot of people in this industry don't want to accept that there is a problem that there is racism that there is classism and that it does affect our artists and that it does affect the music you know and all of this societal problems and music, it all goes hand in hand, like it affects right. one another. Um, and again, media is programming. So the way I see it, it's like, oh, media is programmed? Let me be in media and program these minds. Like we about got to educate these people, you know? Um, is Gata Dominican as well? Gata's Panamanian. She's an honorary oh. Dominican raised by okay, Dominicans. Okay, <laughs>
3: okay. okay.
2: Um, yeah, she's also in the Dominican Republic right now. We're actually roommates uh working alongside <laughs> each other. yeah so you'll meet her when you get here
1: oh I have um, to interview her now Cheers.
2: yes yes I I'll definitely let her know um so yeah the the show pretty much is it's a conversational it's a conversational approach to a lot of the topics that really affect music and intersecting topics like sex love gender race Um, ideologies and how that exists with music but also having these conversations with the artists themselves and I think that a lot of artists you know we have like those interviews where we talk about the music process and everything else but it's kind of creating that space where we can talk about a subject introduce it a little bit to an artist where they can learn and they can also talk about an experience or maybe their thoughts or break things down a little bit so the first episode was with Tokisha and okay. it was it was focused on sex the second episode was about love and what i really loved about the the second episode was that we brought in a sociocritic critic uh known as bad dominicana uh-huh. yeah. yes and she was in this she was in this discussion as well as daleks and liano D'Alex uh, and Liano are known uh, for their R&B music okay. and their Romantiqueo. The episode is called, actually, Romantiqueo. And we talk about that. We talk about love and we talk about R&B and reggaeton and, and how this music actually humanizes our men in for? this space, especially yeah. in our music because, and you know this, in our industries, when they, when they talk about in Movimiento, when they talk about reggaeton or trap, they're automatically looking at our men as like, you guys are aggressive, you guys are right. violent, you guys are criminals, and having Thugs. a conversation with <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. yeah having yeah. a conversation on love and, and how it humanizes them, in a sense, and how yeah. they how they see love and, and how they want to be loved was, was so beautiful, you know, especially like Daleks. Like, he spoke about fluidity in a way that I'd never heard him speak about like he I've never heard him you know talk about uh specifically with the way he dresses like he's like yeah my wife buys my clothes and I love it when she goes to the women's section and buys me blazers you know and I thought that was so cute and like Liano talking about how important the love from his mother was to him or is to him still and then to have Zyda talk about love and just focus the reality of how love is a basic resources that we sh- that we should all have, just like water. And yeah. how in society the lowest and the hierarchy sometimes don't most times don't have good water. We also don't get love. Yep. And that affects us. That affects our mental, it affects our emotions and it affects the way we evolve as we get older. And it was a really great discussion. I love how it how everything coincides. The next episode.
1: Uh-oh.
2: When is this dropping?
1: (laughs) Uh, This is dropping like in two weeks.
2: Okay, cool. (laughs) The next episode is really good, which is called Music is for Everybody. And it's an important conversation because with the rise of Rosalia and a lot of conversations on cultural appropriation, um, we thought it would be cool to talk about, is music for everybody? Like, Mm. is it really? Because I think that's the biggest... um, comment we get when we talk about these things that music yeah. is for everybody like music is universal and it's like cool you think music is for everybody but who gets the visibility who monetizes who, who, who gets some the coins money? yeah you know like Rosalia's fandom came from my neck for like three four weeks because I literally said like music is for everybody who gets the visibility like who's monetizing off of this shit? like we just spoke about bachata like we've had bachateros be seen as like the lowest of the low in the Latin American music industry and a white Spaniard could come into the space create a bachata and now it's supported now it's like everybody wants to create space for the bachata now everybody wants to talk about the bachata but nobody wanted to create space for the like black bachateros and mind you I've been I remember going to a bar in Yucatan, Mexico and hearing Teodoro Reyes. Like, bachata is, especially now, and you travel Latin America, I'm pretty sure you've experienced this too. You'll hear it in anywhere in Latin America. So it's like, we know that this happens. We know it's happening now, but that visibility in award shows, in media, in, in, in our conversations in the industries, they're not there. So it's because they're being limited and because they don't want them in that space and just so, a quick
1: and just a quick parenthesis that setangana bachata and that rosalia bachata nasty they're so it's ugly pop,
2: it's pop sound, chata. sounds so bad i'm quoting i'm quoting catalina Kat, <clears throat> it's pop oh. chata and oh, that, right. that's oh that's a whole other conversation but again like i love people that celebrate music i'm a yeah. lover of all types of music but i, I also understand that like if you're going to support and appreciate this, make space for it. Like, make space for the artists, for the people that are creating this, you know? Like, I'm starting to see, like, a rise in, like, Afro-Latino, Afro-Beats, and I'm just like, there's a lot of Black Latinos uh, making this music. Like, there's... colectivo flavor colectivo from from colombia mm-hmm. who's a lot of like their lyrics and a lot of their flows i hear it in other people's music and i'm just like child they about to blow up and you about to be called out ah! <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah.
1: yeah no i mean i and i honestly like esto se nos está yendo para largo but like it's just there's so much i i have one more question for you uh that i can't not talk about and it's el movimiento we got to talk about it uh i mean i I, i've said it on this on this show before i'm not like afraid of being like i don't care for that word i don't i don't like i don't so i i um i they told me they told me to be quiet um well they can kiss my ass um but you know so uh i don't love that word, I have. I don't use it very often because for me, it. I, I t- sometimes have an issue with certain things, ideas, mm-hmm. concepts that are born in the U.S. and then mm-hmm. like get sort of like projected onto Latin America.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I do un-
1: I do understand the intention of it, um, and I d- I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that like the conversation is bad. I'm not saying that asking yeah. those questions is bad. You know, but I. But again, like I have my uh, concerns and anxieties. So you know, I. I like as somebody who's been very, you know, like. Not, not not necessarily the face because it's been like kind of a collective uh, push yeah. uh, in media. Like, um, I think Rapetón uh, co-signed on it. Uh, when, he
2: did, when... uh, El Guru didn't co-sign it. He just had a conversation with okay, sure. Niki, which was more about like, he just asked for his opinion. Like, what do you yeah. think about this?
1: So, but tell us about it. I mean, like, because I'm not like here to like drag you. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. But I was just uh, like, you know, I do have my apprehensions, but I, again, yeah. I, I understand that the intentions are... Uh, you know positive and important it's a it's a no, it's, yeah, yeah. it's an important conversation so let's talk about it
2: no yeah so like I can actually read my statement too um okay so that people can hear it too but you know it's really hard with these terms mm-hmm. um one of the things that me and uh Gata like to talk about is the fact that we do understand that like people are very prideful with Urbano right sure. and that like even urban in the hip-hop space isn't something that people are, like are fond of no if you know what i'm saying like people oh, are yes. fond of being urban um as somebody that grew up in philly half of her life in the hood and then had to go to an all-white institution for high school mm-hmm. hearing urban was literally like hearing the n-word because they're yeah. literally calling you ghetto they're calling you like it's not something that uh brings a lot of happiness to me and i feel like even Black people themselves in music, they're just like, we don't want to be pigeonholed into like this one word that pigeonholes us in this one thing because when we start creating rock music, when we start creating music with country in it, y'all not going to want to accept it in those genres. Y'all just going to want to all put it under this one label. And Mm. and I think it limits artists creatively wise, right? Um, When Gata and I first spoke about it, the way we saw it. And the reason why we chose El Movimiento is because people were already using El Movimiento in the, in the Latin American space. Like mm. when you talk about Urbano, a lot of people just say El Movimiento, right? Mm. Um, when people talk about different genres, on, uh, that, that's, you know, they're all, un- when you think of Urbano, it's like an umbrella term. Yeah. But the way I see it past that, it's that this is a singular movement coming that's all afro diasporic. Like, and movimiento is not just reggaeton, it's not just Dominican demo, it's Jamaican reggae, it's dancehall, it's reggae en español, like, it's palos dominicano, it's bomba. Like, people forget that the reason why I say it's ancestral is because these are all parallel movements, these are all transnational movements, all literally rooted in the forced migration of our ancestors that was literally created for resistance and joy. That is why the drum is so important in our music. That is why percussion is so important in a lot of these styles. And it's all one singular movement. When you listen to Palo, when you listen to Bomba, you hear the similarities, you feel it, and you see the call and response the same way you hear hear it in ancestral music in Jamaica and the Barbados and everything else. Because we have, sadly, that same history, but our people literally... Fall and create a joy out of like their sad reality you know and I'm in a space where I just want us to denationalize ourselves like where we constantly talk about you know okay Dominican Dumbo right um and then we just split it up right like we're a lot of us we're just all black people we're all afro-descendants from with this with similar histories that we can actually have more conversations together, but because we we limit ourselves to our nationality, we don't have these conversations. Um, people sometimes think about like, oh, the crossover, like oh, a hip hop artist with a reggaeton artist, and I just cringe sometimes because it's like <laughs> it's all a singular movement, you know. Yeah. Hip-hop was literally created by Afro-Caribeños. All the pioneers of hip-hop were Afro-Caribbean. Like, and they used these same influences that we use in our music because it's ancestral. The breaks were invented because of that music. Like everything that, the way people spit, the call and response, that's all ancestral. That's all like traditional to us. And that's where Movimiento comes from, where it's like, we're all under one singular movement an Afro diasporic movement. And we need to start recognizing that and have more conversations on that. And that's where like my mentality is coming from when I sure. think about, when I think about it that way. And I like to talk about it more and not just in a Latin American context, but more mm-hmm. in like a more global context. Cause it's sure. like forced migration had a lot to do with this. And it's the reason why it's evolved differently in different places. Um, I can read my statement if you want. (laughs) Read it.
1: Go for it, girl. Go for it. I mean. Wow. This
2: was June 10th, 2020. (laughs) So I wrote. um, So for years, the Latin music industry has lumped a variety of genres together under the category, under one category. It's time to have an honest conversation about the term urbano. Mm-hmm. Not only is this classification a disservice to the different art forms that exist in the movement, reggaeton, latin trap, in espanol, dembow, and so on, but it reinforces racial stereotypes while simultaneously perpetuating a commercial culture that mm-hmm. has played a huge role in the erasure of gritty lyricism and Black visibility. Now, what I mean by that is that while there is little Black visibility in "Quote unquote urbano"
3: mm-hmm.
2: in traditional spaces, and I, that's where I'm, that's where my most of my career came from. And what right. I saw, they're still discriminated against. Like even under that, even with their white privilege, um, they're not approached the same way as a Pepe Aguilar or a Ricardo Montanel, You know, like they're not going to be approached the same way. There is classism. There is discrimination within that. So it it creates this this. Um, Again, like the, the Urbano term kind of turns into like the N-word in a sense where they're like looked at as different. And uh, uh, while also doing that, it really limits the artists of the, themselves to be who they are and to really embrace their essence. Because now sure. when they're stepping into this space, they need to learn how to play by the rules, they need to create music that should be enjoyable, for the entire family, whether your child is nine years old or la abuela carro, everybody could be able to listen to it. And to be honest, música del movimiento is storytelling, and our stories aren't fun. A lot of our stories aren't happy. Like we come from violent areas, and, and what's so crazy about this is like, I love seeing interviewers from Latin America because they'll talk about like, why talk so much about like women. Why talk so much about violence? Like, first of all, there's mad, as somebody that listens to all music, there's misogyny in all generals. So I don't see, like, why is it only, like, a reggaeton thing, first of all. Second of all, like, nobody asks, damn, what type of society or environment are they growing up in that they have to speak about this, that they have to create music about this? No one asks about that. They just ask, why are you? talk about this like don't you think that this is like dangerous to talk about but no one approaches like the bigger issue which is like a lot of these a lot of our artists are growing up in environments that aren't safe yes that aren't looked over because they're not cared for you know because of racism I mean <laughs> exactly. I've, and classism like
1: I've, I've gotten into a lot of uh regional like Mexican regional recently and like you know I've heard stories from uh, you know regional artists who will like, you know, women who, you know, be in these spaces, like well-known women, you know, Mm -hmm. and like their friends, their like male friends are the first ones to be greeted, even though like they're in the room with like a star. Mm It's just like you're, mm-hmm. you're still a woman. You're still a woman first. You're still, you know, yeah. secondary. So like, you know, obviously, mean, like as you said, like it's just it's important to like uplift, not not just uplift, but like spotlight and just like you know confront these shits and like have these real com- these conversations because sometimes it is, you know, it's just like you know like it just gets dismissed as like I went up with SES, you know, like oh well, what do you expect it's the like, or what do you expect it's Dembo, you know, and so like yeah. it is important to like question that and throw that out. You know, it, like have that conversation out in the open. Again, like my, you know, my concern with, with like, El Movimiento, for example, stands with like if I'm talking to like, you know, uh, I don't know, a rapper and, ecuador or something and mm-hmm. they're like you know like oh yeah like see sí, and, and uh, you know haciendo música urbana, que la, la, la. i'm not I, like i don't feel comfortable like correcting them or something be like no mm-hmm. you know but it's oh, I, yeah. I i don't think it's an either or conversation either i think oh, it's yeah. like like it's like when people like get mad and have arguments over latino latina latinx hispanic da, da, yeah. da.
2: like it, it means
1: different things to different people and i think that's important to just accept and, and respect
2: no, yeah, I feel like even for me, and I'll read, like, the last sentence because it kind of talks about this, too. Um, to me, it was more like a moral like a moral decision mm-hmm. for me. Like, it was a personal decision. Like, I did it not saying, like, oh, I'm doing this, so this is what everybody has to do. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Like, yeah. I actually had a lot of conversations with people that were from older generations that worked in this industry. Um, that month wasn't easy. Like, I felt so emotionally drained. Like existing in this space and having these conversations it wasn't fun it wasn't fun for me um and people are also afraid to kind of be like associated with you because they don't want to be seen as like conflicting or problematic um so I I I feel like that's how me and Gata really bonded (laughs) we really uh like we we were there for each other and like especially her like this is when she was like really rising um and uh, I feel like a lot of all of this was very new to us. We didn't know how to navigate these conversations. There's a lot of emotional labor going on, dude. It was a lot. And, you know, people were like, I had somebody say like, this isn't going to fix racism. And I'm like, I mean, you're dismissing the whole conversation. You're not even giving it a moment. Like it it doesn't fix racism, but it does plant a seed. I really believe it plants a seed because it's like, Somebody out there has to ask themselves, so, well, why does she want to push in movimiento? Somebody that's been writing about all the artists in this industry. Like she, I've 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 written and spoken to artists from La Vieja Escuela, La Nueva Escuela, outside of DR, you know. Yeah. And I know that people saw it and were like, if Jenny is not using this, I need to know why, you know, right. and that that plan succeed in people. And I, I know that I have I have that fuerza in a sense where it's like if I say something people are, are going to question it they're going to want to know why you know yeah. So I wanted to take advantage of that and I think that again it's a, it's a personal decision whether or not I've, I've had gigs that didn't work out because I didn't want to use it mm. um so it it does affect your bag <laughs> it affected my bag hey.
1: it's <laughs> so I mean again, it's it's like lenguaje inclusivo, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. not everybody's going to want to use it. I don't, I I use it depending on certain situations, but like, if it makes someone feel better to use it, like, why the hell not? Like, it's just like, if it, it, like, it makes you feel more valid or more honest or more, you know, like, you know, like that it better expresses who you are or that you can better express yourself, then why the fuck not, girl? Like, it's just, Again, it's, it, it's like all the Latino, Hispanic, da, da, da. Like, I'm just like, yeah. people be fighting about that nonsense. And I'm like, girl, like, just, I'm happy that there's a label now. Like, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm happy it's not just like, you know, spicy. That we have options. Yeah. That we have options. Yeah.
2: And that, I don't know. Yeah. And that we have a choice to, like, <clears throat> create that visibility for people, too. Like, Um, but yeah, like, the last thing I said was, as of yes. today, I stand in solidarity with El Movimiento as a substitute. This cultural movement encompasses various sounds while creating a competitive space and dialogue for each handle. I hope that the powers that be, those that vow inclusivity and diversity, join in the conversation and adopt this in- initiative. So, like, Absolutely. obviously, I, tu sabes? Okay, <laughs> come on, guys, join the conversation. Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't telling people like, oh yeah, do this. <laughs> I encourage you right. to do this. Um, right. So It was was an interesting time. I learned a lot from that experience. It was something that I feel like people forget that, like, it was a very dark moment for us. Like we're in the pandemic. We're at the peak of like George Floyd protests. And it's also like just existing in the space and seeing the hypocrisy and seeing how people, you know, I was on a call with like 70, 60 industry professionals and hearing them talk about this situation and like, them care more about how their artists are going to respond to this or like how they yeah, would respond yeah. to this on, on their platforms. Like they didn't care. They really didn't care about like what the issue was. And they didn't care about our music. Um, but they had a lot to say when the statement came out. And I'm yeah. just like, really? You care now? Because you didn't care too much about our music a few days ago. Like now it bothers you because it's a change and, and you don't want to get into this change.
1: Well, I, I am so thrilled that we had a chance to get into this conversation. And again, like dear listeners, this is not black and white. This is yes. No, this is not any of that. This is just like, you know, it's so much to talk about. And, you know, now I got to talk to fucking Gatha. I mean, I got to have Gatha on this show. I'll connect
2: you guys. (laughs) Please
1: uh, please tell our listeners where they can uh, find you and follow you on social media, where they can read your work. I mean, obviously I'm still going to link things, but, you know, just remind them.
2: So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jennifer Motaval. Uh, a lot of my work and productions and stuff is found in JennyMota.com. Um, my column in si quieres Dembo is in Remezcla, Remezcla.com. Uh, the original deep dive is in people in Espanol and it's called Recognizing Dembo from Jamaica to El Alfa
1: amazing amazing and uh dear listeners again you already know because you would listen to the show this is episode like almost like 350 um but i'm richard viegas this is song mess and obviously my guest is jennifer mota um and you can listen to this and all of our episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms that's apple podcast google play stitcher soundcloud spotify etc etc same on social media everything at song mess um uh, we have one more song and obviously we had to close with you know la la matatana la mayimba la soberana uh, mm-hmm. obviously fefita la Grande. Uh, this song is called Vamos a Hablar Inglés. Tell us about Fefita.
2: Fefita Zenoji, shout outs to you for covering her and pitching her story because uh, I feel like Dominican media makes fun of her a lot and yeah. she is literally, she's amazing. Like I, I want us to literally look at her as a legend and to remember her, always remember her that way. I feel like we need to be constantly reminded of like how much she's done in a male dominated space, yes. the sexual agency that she has had in her music and just even at her age. And I don't want to bring ageism involved in everything, but like the energy that she has, even with everything that she went through the style, her just overall like motivated being like, and it's typical. Yeah. Um, we had to end it with that. We had to end it with a bang
1: amazing amazing well jenny thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me this has been a fabulous interview like crazy i like it just it you know but
2: it's been really great to talk to you (laughs) i can't wait to talk to you and get to know you now
1: yeah, so, so I can, so we can really spill the tea. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> all right, dear listeners, again, this is, uh, this last song is by Fifita La Grande. It's called Vamos a Hablar Inglés. My guest mm-hmm. is Jennifer Mota. Uh, again, everything will be linked in the show notes so that y'all can read up on Dembo and more of Jenny's work. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Ciao! <laughs>
7: Oye, vamos a hablar inglés tú y yo, ya que tengo.